Hi everyone, and welcome to the I Don't Know Show with Joe. I'm Joe, and I don't know much about the New Jersey Libertarian Party, but my guest, Ariel Schack, recently became the vice president of PR for the New Jersey Libertarian Party, as well as the chair of the North Jersey Libertarian Party. Ariel, thank you so much for joining the show. Thanks for having me. First of all, congratulations. Uh, can you describe the process for getting these positions? Did you win some kind of vote? Was it an appointment? Yeah, so um, there was a vote. And um, so it's actually funny. I uh, A few people came to me to run, and I wasn't really planning on running. Um, and then uh, I feel like I a little bit had to be convinced. <laughs> um, and basically they said that there would be a coalition working with me and um and all of that so that was cool and then we had our um convention so there's like a yearly convent libertarian convention for uh-huh. North- new jersey and at the convention um there was a vote but everyone knew i was running and everyone knew like they wanted me because they like the missus caucus wanted me and then i'm also not a missus person so then the non-missus wanted me so it was actually like a unanimous like why did, why did everybody want you like how, how did they know about you um just because i have a, a extensive background in public relations so um to be able to get someone like me on your side is a big <laughs> deal for something like this that's awesome and so yeah. what's the what's the difference between the New Jersey Libertarian Party and the North Jersey Libertarian Party, is that just like a, a subsidiary? Uh, how, how does so, that work? Yeah, I mean, so with politics, everything is like really on the local level. Um, so the local, like, so New Jersey is divided into three um, sections through the Libertarian Party. So there would be North Jersey, Central Jersey, and South Jersey. Um, so being chair of North Jersey is actually, that's what I wanted more like than maybe being VP, VP of state. Because you when you could do stuff like on a local level, you can actually move things and change things and, um, and re- actually get into politics. Whereas at a state level, um, it's much harder to get into state politics and stuff like that. So it's just a different area that you're focusing on. Gotcha. So you're, you're VP of PR on the state level. And then you're the chair of the LP on like the North Jersey section. Yeah, exactly. Wow, that's really cool. How's it going I so love far? It. It's been crazy. It's been really cool. Um, for so for state level, um, it's been really cool because there's just so much to do and so much to um, focus on, and um, it's kind of cool to see the behind the scenes of how things work and what's been going on. It, I mean, the coolest thing, I think, after I was voted in, someone pulled me aside. They're like, did you know how like how you got voted in? And I was like, honestly, literally no idea. Like, I didn't know there was anything even behind me going on. And he's like, told me all the politics happening behind the scenes that I had no idea about. And um, I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. Okay, cool. Like, I had no idea. But then as soon as I got voted in, you just get start get pull, pulled aside from people with like all the things they need to work on that they don't want these people to know, whatever. So it kind of gets really cool and like political that I guess I was never in politics really before. So um, it's funny how it like actually is like feeling very political. Now I kind of know more about what that means. Um, and then on the North Jersey level, it's like a totally different thing. It's funny because in state, in the state meeting, they're like, RL, because it's not normal for someone to be on state board and to be a chair um, for the region. But I just, I really, like, what happened also for that, like how I became chair was funny because um, there was a, there was um, like an outing that, like, we do a monthly libations for liberty event. 
And at the, the event, someone pulled me aside and they were just like, Ariel, like everyone wants you to run and to be chair. And, um, and they're like, you just got to do it. And I was like, I was like, oh, I wasn't really thinking I was going to do that. And also now I'm running for state and that's like a lot. And they're like, they're like, listen, if you don't do it, like me and this guy and this guy were dropping out of the party. <laughs> and I was like, okay, whoa, they're really, they're into me. Okay, cool. Um, and I feel like I have a lot of ideas and it's cool because when you're chair, there's no one above you. So you could implement all your ideas. Um, and there's some things that like need to be voted on and stuff at like um, the monthly meetings, but most things you could just kind of do yourself. So it's cool to have like the um, the vision and then be able to implement the vision with um, the people in the party. And so with North chair, I'm able to then um, keep on my North chair hat. So it's like, it's funny when I'm each in each section, they say mm -hmm. like, Ariel, you need to just focus on like state here. And then in North chair, I'm like, just focus on North. Um, but in North, there's just so much more you could do because you can like, I don't know, the, like I just formed like the coalitions that I thought were going to be important. And I completely changed the values of the party. Cause I was like, that's what I think is important. So I like shifted it to family values instead of, um, I don't know what they were really focusing on before, but I, cause you could do that. You have the power to do whatever. Wow. And so until now you were focused primarily on, on PR for the North Jersey section. What were you doing prior to this with uh, the LP in New Jersey? Yeah. Prior to this, I was just volunteering with North Jersey. Um, I was, well, like sometimes, so what happened, how I got in contact with state is, well, I actually got in contact with the party because I, I got in contact with the Libertarian Party as a whole, and they actually sent me to New Jersey. So mm -hmm. when, when I came to New Jersey, they knew, um, okay, this person's got like a PR background, she wants to help, and she's here. So they, like, as soon as I got like this email, and I was like, whoa, it's really awesome that like they send these like such like he, like emails and calls and to like introduce you to the party. And I'm like, oh, that's so cool that like everyone's like really nice to me. And then I found out later that's not everybody, that was just a. Uh, <laughs> A me situation <laughs> when I like when I when he when he was telling the last chair was telling me about like how we do like new members and stuff and I was like wait but I got like the emails and the call and, like I really got like texts and you were really like um, inviting me in and he's like that was just just for you because you had that background that we could really um, we could use and everything but and when was um, that like how long ago did you start uh, volunteering that was just in September. Oh, this past September. Yeah, September 2022. I was like, so I've been in PR since um, 2013. Mm -hmm. um, and I did a lot of tech PR and business PR and startup PR and crowdfunding PR. Um, and I really, really always wanted to get into like politics and government. Um, there's actually this book that I'm rereading right now, uh, Propaganda by <laughs> Edward Bernays. And he like, um, he's like my go-to. He's the, he's actually seen as the father of PR because he changed the word propaganda to public relations. Oh, and um, That's a good PR move. <laughs> it's a great PR move. He's great. Um, and I was just like obsessed with him always. So finally I was like, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to live my dream. I'm going to, I want to start, I want to do Edward Bernays stuff. Like I want to, I want to really get um, mass movement going with my like PR efforts. So uh, I reached out to the party and told them what I could do for them. Wow. That's really cool. So you have like a real passion for PR. You like I changing love PR. people's minds and, 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 and explaining things. That's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what does the Libertarian Party and New Jersey Libertarian Party in particular stand for? What are the principles and philosophies behind it? Yeah, so um, the non-aggression principle is like a huge one at the party. Um, we have like a whole list of like our platforms on the NJLP.org. Um, so that's like shifting um, 
every year we vote on platforms at the convention in March. Um, but it's really like everything with libertarian is don't don't hurt me, don't take my stuff, and like that's pretty much it. Like we just want the freedom, and we want everyone to have freedom. But I think also we're recognizing, and I mean it depends on who you ask in the party. Everyone has a different kind of viewpoint on this, but we recognize that you can't get like that. There are people that don't want freedom, right? There are people who want the government just to tell them what to do and to be there. And especially if you've been bred in government schools, indoctrination Mm. systems, this whole, uh, this whole time, then you just are used to the government like spoon feeding you and everything. Mm -hmm. So kind of when we go at it, we think about the freedom standpoint, but we also look at the facts that like we do live in a society that already has a structured government. And, um, so we want to get into office and also have a part kind of in helping people feel the good the good old mushy feelings they take from the government, but not having everybody, but have an opt-in for it. Mm-hmm. Opt-in to get rid of your freedom, <laughs> but like not don't take it <laughs> away from everyone, you know? Interesting. That is, uh, that's really interesting. Um, <laughs> I, I think we have to dig in a little bit more into that. So you're saying that um, the, the, the kind of the goal or, or one one of the things that you're working on is giving people who are used to the functions of the government that maybe most libertarians would say the government shouldn't be in the business of uh, the option to still utilize the government for those functions. Well, hopefully we'll privatize a lot of it so that mm-hmm. they could have just to have someone there. Like you you have to give something to them. They have right, to have something right. and someone doing it. You can't just erase everything that yeah. they've already been accustomed to. But um, we definitely move things like towards thing. liberty. Yeah. Yeah. To move towards liberty. I think a lot of things have to be privatized. Yeah. Hell yeah. That makes sense. So if you had to um, like how, how would you uh, uh, differentiate the Libertarian Party from the mainstream two parties and how would you differentiate the libertarian party from other third parties right so from the mainstream two parties i think every time one of the two parties get into government they're just making more laws and more laws and taking away more freedoms and just trying to gain more power and control mm-hmm. um so the, what the left does it um, in terms of through socialization. They say that they'll um, they'll help you and they'll help give you health care and they'll um, give you you know better better. They'll give you more things like social systems um, through their government. So give them more power. And then the right does this um, through like they'll maybe they'll write the fund the wall or uh, through wars and whatever they envision is um, going to keep you safe and so let the government keep you safe and give up your powers so we can help you with that. Um, so that's why like a lot of probably their um, campaigns and stuff have to do with, um, and both of their campaigns. I mean, the um, what's called abortion is such a good one for both of those things because one of them is your health and we'll keep you safe and then the other one is we're going to keep the baby safe from their thing. And so that's why it's such a good thing for politics because um, <laughs> you'll give your way, your power for them to protect this and whatever you believe this should be whereas libertarians in that like type of subject they just think do whatever you want like it's your freedoms but i I mean that is like a touchier subject but for most things we want to take away power and control from the government and give it back to the people i think we think you that you're you're as an individual you should have all your power and control um 
yourself and you can decide where to do that. And if you want, um, if you want a certain kind of healthcare, if you want, um, to own something or anything like that is yours and that is your prerogative and you get to do that and decide that for yourself and nobody um has the power to tell you otherwise unless like someone's infringing on your rights and your freedom then that's what the government should be there for to step in for that so they they're the libertarians aren't looking to like enact new rules they're really looking to take stuff away localize things more mm-hmm. um and stuff like that now the other third parties i mean there's a tons of parties so everyone has their own the, the libertarians like, like the biggest third party right like what's yeah, the, biggest the biggest after that like green what's like the next one i don't even know i have no, I have no idea maybe the green party they're also know. small after the main two <laughs> they're, they're really small um which is that's why like um we're working the libertarian party just um joined uh a lawsuit for alternative voting in new jersey so that parties can actually start gaining traction by having um two party names under a candidate instead of just like the like republican like this guy's running and he's a republican you can now be like okay this guy's running and he's supported by the republicans and the libertarians um or like democrat and libertarians whatever mm-hmm. um and now kind of get more third parties besides libertarians on the ballot and kind of it was something that was shot down and stopped in like the 20s i think um because they didn't want other uh, parties to gain traction um and so that's why they stopped that in new jersey at least um but so hopefully but it's i mean it shouldn't be legal that's like that's like literally against um what is it the i think it's maybe the 10th amendment or something it's like against I could look it up, but it's just not legal. And hopefully, um, and we're not actually the ones who even brought the case up. Uh, we just joined the case. The case was brought up by a different third party. Let me tell you, I've got an email. Sounds pretty similar to what they do in, in New York and probably a bunch of other places. Like they keep uh, changing the rules, making it harder for third parties to really enter the race and, and get on the ballot. Um, I know we, we're having a lot of trouble with that in New York. Yeah, it's like, it's it's so interesting how much, like, they do to fix the elections in those ways. Because there's, like, yeah, there's this with alt voting that's, like, you can't have it, it's legal. But then also, like, they change party lines in New Jersey. Like, not uh, party lines, um, oh, my God, district lines all the time mm-hmm. um, to, to change voting. So they'll put all of, like the Republicans into one area and then they'll take like a different town, even though it's like not even close to that district. And they'll just put it there to try to it's like gerrymandering or zoning or whatever. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, besides for what the other parties are doing, it's probably a big part of it. But besides for that, like, why do you think people are very or convinced that they only have two options? Why are, third parties not seen as a viable option do you think okay actually in the book in the propaganda book it actually explains it of why we have a two-party system and it's kind of like if you think about it like this way like if when you go to the supermarket and you go to the cereal aisle or like the potato chip aisle they're very overwhelming aisles because there's so many options and you're like Mm. i don't know what to look at i don't know what to feel so it's in in general as at least in terms of what i know which is public relations in general, people need to pick from 
one to two or mm. like three to four options, like maximum four options. And anything more than that, people would just stop and they wouldn't even vote. Like voting would go down like mm. because people would just be too overwhelmed. So that's why the having a system, a political system without so many parties at the forefront is probably more helpful for voting mm-hmm. um, just because people, people don't have the time and the energy to spend to actually learn about the different um, things and the agendas and um, ideologies and everything. Right. So that's why we have the system that we have because it's an easy, chewable system. Mm. Um, now, just because it's an easy, chewable system doesn't mean that we can't have more parties running and it doesn't mean that we should um, monopolize the um, government based on just these two parties. I think that's been a very dangerous thing for our country and also for um, kind of for our growth as a country as well because it doesn't feel like we're like really making these awesome movements. And like, I think anyone I speak to when they're talking about politics today, everyone's like really um, like negatively, like they have a really negative view of, of mm-hmm. politics today. Yeah. And I think um, if we had, if we had more parties in with more ideas and they were given the opportunity to speak and share those ideas, it'd be di- totally different. And it wouldn't even have to be that, let's say all the parties are on the ballot, but inviting everybody to the debate is really the most yeah. important thing. That would be interesting. I mean, you know, it's it's. I I, I get why they don't, <laughs> but I, if they did, I think uh, it it would be very interesting for people to become aware about other ideas, because it's hard for libertarians to win, but they can definitely influence a conversation. If they're in a debate, they force the other candidates to respond to the things that they're concerned about um, that could totally affect, you know, everyone else's politics. So getting uh, involved, you know, even if there's no shot of winning right now um, could, could be very beneficial, I think. Exactly. That's cool. So, I mean, everyone likes to focus on national elections, but obviously state and local government is way more important than national government when it comes to most people's daily lives and i don't think anything drove that point home more strongly than covid and people started realizing who their governors are (laughs) and who they wish their governors were uh so currently the governor in new jersey is democrat phil murphy what is the general take on him amongst libertarians um i mean yeah they obviously uh libertarians are not really a fan of him he took away um, a lot of freedoms during the whole COVID thing. Mm -hmm. And he was super strict, um, definitely compared to other governors and everything. And I think even, I mean, I think a lot of people just didn't really, weren't like, weren't really a fan of him, but sadly we're we're definitely New Jersey's very democratic state. So, Mm -hmm. uh, he's, he'll be there I think for a while. We'll see how it goes. Yeah. So they had probably similar things that New York did in terms of you know, emergency decrees and crazy edicts and and all lockdowns and all that kind of thing. Yeah, putting masks on all our children. That was a sad, like, oh my God. Never again. Hopefully, that's what's so sad because libertarians, we just lived as normal and we're like, we're just like, this is insane and how are, is like everybody like going, going with along the flow with on it. this. Yeah, it was crazy. So, I mean, in New York, I was following, uh, you know, and supporting Larry Sharp. Uh, he was running for governor the last two cycles. Um, unfortunately, did not 
do as as well as I, I think he should have, uh, considering everything that we've been through. Um, the guy who but- ran for governor in New Jersey was Greg Millet, male. I don't I don't know much about him. Do you know uh, uh, anything about his uh, campaign and how that went? Not really. What year was that? That was uh, last year, two years ago. No, I don't know. I don't know anything about. I don't know so much about him, to be honest. Yeah, apparently he uh, then also tried to become a Republican congressman. I believe uh, that's all I know about him. <laughs> yeah. But. Yeah, so I mean, it's it's pretty crazy, like you said, that um, you know we we saw the government take away liberties to the greatest degree of 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 my lifetime, um, you know, and I'm I'm sure uh, some people felt that way after nine eleven as well, um, but but certainly those two events with the the well the, specifically this one on the state level with the governors uh, deciding you know, who's essential, who is going to get fired for refusing to, you know, perform medical procedures that should be personal, um, you know, closing down businesses and, and just, you know, paying these people to sit in in booths. Um, they probably stopped that last week because COVID's officially over, but <laughs> for three years straight, uh, you know, all around Union Square, you've got maybe... 40 of these booths of just like kids sitting there playing on their phones all day, waiting for people to come get tested for COVID. I mean, I don't know where all this money came from. Um, I don't know where all of it went. It's your tax dollars. It's your stolen stolen dollars. It's going to be you and your children. Basically. And, you know, and people wonder why inflation's so high and all this stuff. But, like, you're choosing to stay in New Jersey and fight and not move somewhere else. And, that's pretty cool. So, like, where do you draw your kind of strength from to stand and fight rather than run away? I mean, personally, I have all my family here. I grew up here. I be- And I believe that you can make grassroots change. And I, like, as soon as I joined the party in September, the first thing I did, I spoke to candidates. I spoke to the chair. I spoke to anyone who can speak to you. And I was like, guys, you're focusing on the wrong things. Because what we did is we had a... Um, we had a candidate in every single um, congressional district running last year, um, which was a really big deal for us because we never had that before. But why? Why we could run for like school board, we can run for town council, and that's where we need to look at, and that's what we need to do. And thankfully, that's really going to be our goals um, coming up because I don't think we need to look there because I don't think we're getting there anytime soon. We have. Um, smaller fish to fry that are going to be the bigger fish in the end because they're really what's worth it because what's going to touch me and my family is going to be the local politics and where your liberties are taken away first and foremost would start being at home it would be on like on your property it'd be, be what they do with like property taxes it would be what they do um in your schools what they're teaching your children what they um what they just have defined as mandatory or not mandatory like like having a school system right that could tell your little kids that they have to wear masks all day um and that was up to each school to decide that wasn't up to um that wasn't up to you know the president of the united states or the senators like you don't have to look to them and that's not who's going to be affecting my family so that's i got my that's something that's just always going to be um that what what needs to be focused on to, in, in order to grow as a party like you can't grow 
just get the top dog. Like, well, let's say we get a libertarian as president, right? Let's say a libertarian ran in this next election and he got the vote and he became a president. Okay, but you're not going to see from a, a, like a libertarian president so much change. You're not going to see change uh, in your daily lives like that. I think if we see libertarian president, that means that there more it, people it was a lot of change to get to that well, point. To get to yeah. that point, but I'm saying if the, in this next if if in the next election, 2024, you're getting a libertarian president, you didn't get anyone on the local level or anything. You're not getting change. You need to start by filling up all the local seats, which as much libertarian many as libertarians as you can, and and. Um, and start showing up, show, start showing face. I think a lot of people, at least in Jersey, in North Jersey, they don't know what libertar- a libertarian is and they don't know what it will look like. So one of the goals that I have for North Jersey is just to get out there, clean the streets, like literally get out there, put on a vest that just says uh, who we are. So people know who we are. They could join and look us up and start doing like volunteerism and cleaning the streets and showing up to town town councils and school board committees and um and becoming present in the community and i think that i don't care what happens necessarily in politics as much as it is like i'm helping my local community and that's my goal is i'm helping my local community and every person that i touch in the party to be helping with their local community as well which is why with my like my last um my last business meeting for north jersey i said i want everyone to come with something that you are specifically going to do for your local community through the party because I want it like that's it that's why I want the focus to be from now on and um I don't think we need to be seen as a big political party and how like we're not big we're small and but but even small like as small as we are we could do so much because it's just someone taking the time to volunteer themselves to make change and really libertarians don't believe that the government needs to do all this stuff and we don't need to go as individuals through bureaucracy to have a program for children or to clean the streets or to do and like there's so many things that you could do that you could just do by yourself like without anything without government that could help the community and make your community and local lives better and then even like and then something that's happening with um you know spike cohen like who i'm like kind of obsessed with who is it um, so he has, um, you are the power yeah. and they're like a whole focus. And I'm like a part of that. Like I, um, go to their things and their whole focus is about just like putting libertarians behind causes and who cares if you are a libertarian or not a libertarian, but the causes that we believe in just get like put power behind it and make change through that. And I think that I really, really believe in that. And I hope that the party continues in that direction. Cause that's the, that's the only way forward. That's amazing. And it, Spike Cohen is... Where does he live? He's in South Carolina. South Carolina. So is he involved with the South Carolina LP there? I believe so. I'm. I. I really don't know. Do the diff, Do the state LPs benchmark with each other? Is there a state that's doing it well that everyone looks to as like a model? Oh, good question. Um, is there a state that everyone looks to as doing it a model? Well, the thing is with the uh, Mises Caucus, um all the state boards are like shifting because they're coming and they're taking over a lot of states. So, um, I'm not sure that we, um, we have a model right now. I think that, um, I think everyone who looks at New Hampshire, yeah, I was going to say New Hampshire is like the one that came to my mind. Yeah. They're yeah. Cause they've been doing it for a long time and they do, they do a lot, but, um, I, I personally don't know. Gotcha. Well, that sounds cool. And, and Spike Cohen's great great person um what are some of the top things you would like to see change in new jersey if the lp was to actually influence policy there 
Oh, good question. Okay, personally, this is me personally. So everything I say is on a personal level. Um, sure. For this uh, podcast, but what I would personally like to see, I would like to see vouchers for schools. I think that um, parents should, could be able to decide where where to educate their kids. I don't think that they. Um, I think if they're ending up giving taxes to the school and most of your taxes are going to schools that you should be able to get a voucher for your kid to go to any school that you want to send them to um so that would be a, a change that i would like mm-hmm. to see um i really i have like a personal like last year um i was on the committee for the for the like there was like the njlp had like a brewing committee like for the breweries uh breweries committee because um some crazy uh laws came in New Jersey where breweries aren't allowed to serve any food or they're not even allowed to serve water. The um, COVID thing or a licensing thing? So because of li- because they're not paying for licensing, because they were able to get around licensing, they're not um, able to like serve food or water. And um, there's like so many strict laws against them. Hmm. And that's really, to me, that's like, it seems so like, that was like one of the first things I think I personally touched when I joined the party, like was seeing like what the reason the government's doing that is because they want to, in New, I mean, in Morristown where I live, there's like a $900,000 license, liquor license fee. Yeah. Um, and throughout New Jersey, there's like between like 350 to like a million liquor license fees. And the government wants to protect those licenses for themselves. That's an annual right? fee? How much is that? What's that for? Uh, it goes to, it goes to the town. I don't really, you know, I was actually thinking about it the other day if it's annual. I don't know if it's annual. I don't. That's good. That's a good question. But anyway, it's. I mean, <laughs> it's fucked up. <laughs> I don't think the government. I don't think the government should be able to do this to protect other businesses like this. So the reason that they're doing this, to the breweries, because because they want to protect the other businesses that have to pay for the license, um, and like protect their like. So other businesses have to pay for a liquor license and breweries have some kind of exemption and so they're not allowed to sell food because they didn't have to pay for their liquor license is that the gist of it yeah so yes and i'll just look the license would so it's a a one license fee and then there's renewal fees also Mm -hmm, for the mm -hmm. license um but the thing is i mean even the licensing fee is really hard on business it's really hard on businesses and starting a restaurant stuff like that and i just i think licensing and for stuff like that should not like the government's not doing it to protect people i don't think i don't believe there's really a protection there and i don't it's think a money it makes making so much thing. Sense. it's a way to control and, and and take more money from yeah it's to help their friends and then the other thing the third thing i would love to see would be open carry in new jersey as uh, a personal thing i would I, I think that there shouldn't be any laws against guns personally i think that we have a second amendment right and what are um, the laws like now yeah, so in New Jersey, uh, if you – well, actually, there's – one of my friends actually has a, a carry license. So now there's like a 1,000 carry license in New Jersey mm-hmm. issued that are issued. But uh, most people, there's no no carrying. So if you have a gun in your car and you're – as long as you're driving to a range, you can have the gun in your car. But if you're not driving to the range, like you can't. So you're allowed to have a gun at home and that's it? You're allowed to have it at home basically. That's it. Or if you're driving to the range, that's it. If not – that's why this person also like that's why that uh, the person who was on the um, the board gun trouble is because she had a someone else's gun in her house. Mm-hmm. And is it hard to get a gun at home? Do you have a gun? Um, is it hard to get a gun at home? 
it's it's there's there's just like uh, there's hoops to jump through. You just mm-hmm. don't apply and everything. It's not it's not so hard to apply, but it's uh, it's definitely more than should be legally necessary. Right. Totally. Um, I th- I think it's common for Republicans to say it about Democrat voters or Democrats to say about Republican voters that they're voting against their own interests. I think it's usually like a pretty condescending thing to say, but as a libertarian, I'm I'm confuddled as to why liberty is such a hard sale. Don't people want freedom? (laughs) What do you think? Why are people so interested in imposing their way of life on other people and telling people what to do? So the funny thing is most people don't want freedom. Most people, like, if you're bred to, like, feel like you need protection from the government, you're, I mean, we're really bred to be scared. Like, from, from, if you turn on any media, any news, any, anything, there's wars going on, everything's scary, like, you want protection from all the scary things outside. Um, So most people don't have this, like, inkling for freedom like a libertarian does. And they they want someone else to make the decisions for them and figure it out for them. Now, just because most people want that doesn't mean that everybody wants that. Um, and I don't think it's fair for everybody to have that. But most people on their day to day, they don't want to have to think about it. And so they that's why they're really I mean, that's why people I mean, people come out and flat out say to me they're communist. And I'm like. What? Like, really? Like, why? Like, it's crazy that people who grew up in America and, like, saw history, like, no, learned history, they can come out flat and be a proud communist and say they're a communist. I mean, the first because... episode of my of my show is about socialism. <laughs> yeah, I listened to it. I listened to it. And so it's, it's insane. Like, it's to me, it's insane. To me, I'm like, what do you, what do you mean? Like, don't you see history? Don't you see that that's, like... So how many people had to die for those types of um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. beliefs? And also, it doesn't work. Like, show me a time in history it worked. It doesn't work. It's not something you're looking for. It's not something you're actually going to be comfortable with. But um, you're easily – you're ready to give away my freedom and my powers because you think it's going to work this time or something like that. So I think that most people, they just don't want to think about it and they don't care. They want to vote it away and let life keep running. And I don't think most people um, – most people don't care until like – physically hits them and then what do they do when it physically hits them it's usually something that's in the town and they go complain to the town um, about a lot of different things and then and then enough people could do that you could change stuff but um some things that i think a lot of people have a um they've just bred not to look at it and not to care not to think about it so the masses don't care and don't think about it and they're ready to go with the flow wherever the flow takes them but they say so i was actually talking to the vp of political affairs on thursday and he uh for north um for new jersey for the seaboard and he was saying to me that the masses are the prize so most people they like the people that vote they're the ones who care, but most people don't vote. And mm. those people who don't vote, they'll go with whatever. So if a libertarian's in power, they're cool with it. If a Republican's in power, they're cool with it. If the Democrats in power, they're cool with it. They'll just go with the flow. So they're basically the prize that you're winning when you have an election. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, most people definitely don't care. And so then you're taking people, so the people that you have to shift, like swift, like to move, because you can't, it's hard to make someone care. So really what you mm-hmm. got to do is you got to talk to people who already care about something to tell them about your thing and to try to convince them your thing because those are the people who are thinking and then it's easier to move someone who's already thinking than someone who's like, doesn't think naturally. Right. And also, I mean, it's hard to think about the things that you don't have if you don't 
know better. Like I could think of a hypothetical situation where you're a slave and you're you have like an okay life and your master is not like abusing you, but you're still a slave, but you don't know any better. But then somebody shows you what freedom is and then you want to be free because now you know there's like another thing. So like how how did you discover that you weren't free and that you needed to do something to try to increase your liberty? Like what made you realize that there was something better out there? So the problem is I was just born with it. I was in school, I was I grew up uh, Orthodox Jew, just questioning, questioning everything all the time. I annoyed every single person in my class all the time because I, I was just like, I'd be like, wait, why? But why this? Why this? And the teacher would get annoyed. The students would. Be, I was disruptive because I cared and because I wanted to know. So um, I'm not an Orthodox Jew today. Like I don't. I I questioned it, and I I, mm-hmm. I was even though I was brought up this way, and I went to a shul to think this way, and I went to school to think this way, and I just. I, I was just a person that wanted to question all the time. And not only am I a person that wanted to question, but I'm also a person who nobody taught me that, like, it's like I have to be who this person and that's who I am forever. Mm-hmm. So I was really taught my, by my dad. He, like, always taught me to think for myself, to research, don't believe anything you hear. See, my dad was a conspiracy there. So um, <laughs> that was helpful, too, um, of having a dad who was, like, he's real big on, like, JFK conspiracies and Rothschilds and all that, the conspiracies and everything. So he's having a Jew who's, into like, Rothschild conspiracies? I haven't heard that one before. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, we have a whole top. <laughs> talk about that one <laughs> definitely he's like super deep into it um and yeah he's like he loves it because he's like he says that um one of his favorite things is like he's like an anonymous source in like um some really top conspiracy theorists like writings and he's uh-huh. like he's so like your I'm dad's anonymous. QAnon? <laughs> huh your dad is QAnon? no no not QAnon. no 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 <laughs> wait you want to get kicked off spike uh, well he said he now? was an anonymous <laughs> source sorry i'm in Manhattan, there's lots of noise. <laughs> um, Isn't QAnon what got you kicked off Facebook? Maybe. If that was the person that I might be associated with. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I also don't know, actually, what why they kicked that account off. That's, that's my guess, because I said the magic word. But um, I don't actually that's know. A, yeah, that's something so annoying happening is with, like... Um, the like you to speak like you like uh, you have to truth speak and all that like mm-hmm. you can't just you can't just say whatever anymore like like it's the 90s like you used to be so careful what you talk about everything's like getting censored and yeah censorship is terrible yeah and people are really eager to to bring people down for for you know saying the wrong thing by accident or, or having an opinion they disagree with people are very eager to try to destroy that person's life it's kind of fucked <laughs> it's crazy but you know what's i mean to me so I, when i look at things from a public relations i it's so amazing and cool how they can get so many people on board with that like because you know when you're reading like 1984 when you're like in mm-hmm. high school you're like how could they like how would everyone get on board with that but then here you are in 2023 and, left and, and you're right. like watching yeah. it and you're like that's amazing like that's incredible how quickly that happens yep yeah, I saw somebody with a shirt that said "Make George Orwell Fiction Again" or something. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's it's crazy. It's really crazy. Um, what people tell me all the time that when I vote for a libertarian or other third parties, I'm throwing away my vote. 
How would you respond to that? Yeah. So obviously they're not, you're not throwing out your vote because would you rather vote for something that you disagree with that you like, wouldn't you rather vote for something you believe in? Why vote for something that like you honestly disagree with and you think is not good for you and not good for your family and not good for your community. To me, that's throwing away a vote, Mm -hmm. but voting for something you believe in and agree with that couldn't possibly be throwing away a vote. And then also on top of that, Libertarians only need 10% of the vote to start getting on ballots. And as soon as you've got that, you've got real change like mm-hmm. able to happen. So your vote, like even though, even if it, and that's in like within a town. So if you, you can get 10% of a town to vote on this um, council member who's running as a libertarian, that's huge for mm-hmm. your district and for your community. So you definitely, definitely should never, ever, ever look at it as throwing away a vote. Um, I personally think that there voting for something an ideology that I don't believe in voting for someone who's taking away my freedoms voting for someone who's looking to give my money to corporate powers that I never voted into office um that's throwing away away a vote to Mm -hmm. me and I get to say I have a a mug that says don't blame me I voted for Larry Sharp and I get to (laughs) say that because I didn't vote for the asshole that's there now To be honest, Larry Sharp didn't do so. Like he did great. He really did. He's coming from a Libertarian Party that's not doing so well. He uh-huh. raised more money than anyone's ever raised. Mm-hmm. He's doing. He he's he's doing amazing, and he's really great to speak to. And he can continue. He's young. He's you know Joe Biden didn't get into office until he was <laughs> uh, <laughs> until he was senile. So Larry Sharp has plenty of time. Yep, and he's sharp. <laughs> and he's sharp, so he's good. Um, and he has an extra E for electable, as he says. Um, people think a libertarian society is too pie in the sky can never actually work in reality how would you respond to that well I mean a libertarian party was working for probably millions of years until (laughs) (laughs) until these um, until uh, modern democracy has come in in this shape and um, like probably the past hundred years it's really um really taking a lot of corruption on but before like when when the constitution was written the people writing it and the people forming our policies back in the day when we started our country those were liberty-minded people um so it's definitely something that makes sense i think once we started accepting um outside monies into our country is when we probably got at the most as a country um but i think that thinking that liberty doesn't work I mean, do you want slave like owners forever? Like, what do, what do you mean liberty? What's wrong with freedom? Yeah. But I do. But as I said before, I do understand that the masses don't want to think about it day to day, and they want systems. I think having privatized systems to take care of their needs um, could work better for them because mm-hmm. let's say that privatized system is corrupt. Give your dollar to somewhere else. Vote mm-hmm. with your dollar and t- we're capitalists. Like, vote with your dollar somewhere else, and and things will get better yeah right now in our system you got an education system that is so poor because if you had a voucher a voucher system the the schools would have to be competitive with other schools but right now your kids are all in public school and there's nothing competing with them so they don't have to be good our education system does not have to be good because of the the way that it's shaped right now Mm -hmm. but if you're giving people the power to choose with their money for their education for their children for their health care for for um for higher education whereas like not just you're getting student aid every like every school you're eligible for student aid no now it's based on really 
is this school bringing me the value of the dollar that I'm giving it? Oh, if it is, then good. Then here's my money. If it's not, then take my dollar somewhere else. That's going to be dual. And it's, it was going to uplift a lot of the functions that we have in society that are coming from the government and the government right now, anything the government's giving us, it's not, it's not competing with anybody. Mm -hmm. So it's not, it has no reason to be good for us. So we could definitely have a much better world and much better system without, um, with, without, like government controlling a lot of our daily needs. Yeah, built built in inefficiency. Uh, let's talk libertarian philosophy for a moment. So the non-aggression principle is the guiding principle, but mostly that applies to consenting adults. There's a lot of interesting questions that I don't think have obvious answers. So I'm curious how you would respond to some of these questions. What do you think the government's role should be in protecting children? Yeah, so children, that's where libertarians are like, are, and I personally, everyone's got their own views, but I personally, and I think one of the reasons the Mrs. Caucus really took over is because we do believe that um, they do, they, and I also believe that the government, someone should protect our children. I think that, um, I think that they don't have a right, they can't decide yet for a lot of things. And so I think having some protections, um, is helpful and necessary. Now, I don't think that means that the the parents need to co-parent with the government. I think it should be very limited on what those mm -hmm. um, what that is. But um, I don't know, because like, <laughs> to, like today you've got people right that they're transitioning kids early, and uh -huh. I just I can't possibly see how that could be legal and okay. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that because everyone think it sh thinks, thinks it should be, that's something that maybe you do need some a government body to step in mm -hmm. um, and do something about and fit and help. Because um, there's just, you know, our kids are not science experiments. Right. Um, in that sense, also, though, the problem is, and a, a libertarian problem with that, is when you give the government anything on medical freedoms or anything, like why should they have a say in my medical, um, in my medical beliefs? So, um, like with vaccinations, like why if if you say, oh, the government can step in here, you can't step in here, then um, where where's the line and how does that get drawn? And that's probably why you need politics and voting and all that stuff to decide that because I don't think the government really should have a hand in our healthcare. But I also don't think that I personally don't think that. Parents should be, you know, transitioning their children. But also, I don't know, maybe I'm just thinking out loud because I don't really know. But also maybe parents should have that right to decide for themselves and their family. But it's kind of scary because uh, the problem is a lot of the stuff comes from um, from propaganda, from public relations. And a lot of people don't think through a lot of the things that they're doing. And when you have a society and a world where most of your decisions is coming from the world as you see it through the media lens, um, you're not necessarily making the right decision for you and your family sometimes. And that can be sad and scary. So maybe, I don't know, I don't know the answer to those questions, honestly. Yeah, I mean, and, and you know, there's a lot of things that if you would do as a, a parent, uh, you know, the state would consider abusive and you'd get in, in trouble with child protective services. But meanwhile, uh, with, um, you know, whether it is surgery or puberty blockers or just even encouraging just uh, kind of a, like a long-term pretending of, of, of being something else. Um, you know, I, I, I think a lot of people would consider that to be abusive. But then on the other side of the argument, people would say that to not allow the, the kids to do that 
can be abusive. I guess that would be the other side of that argument. But um, I don't know. It seems a little bit delusional. It's a hard me, one. But <laughs> it's hard. But because also um, it's funny because I actually saw um, some uh, about like something that happened probably the past like couple of weeks is that there's like a, a parents that um, gave birth at home to their kids. And I believe in that. I gave birth at home to mine. Um, and I believe in not getting like medical involvement when it's not necessary. Mm -hmm. And the parents, in this case, the baby had jaundice and the parents decided that they were going to treat the baby's jaundice at home instead of going to the hospital. Mm -hmm. Now, personally, it touched me because I had a baby at home and then I also had a baby who had jaundice and I brought the baby to the hospital um, for the hospital to care for it. And honestly, it was the most brutal thing like to watch ever of the, how the hospital cared for my baby. Really? It was like very difficult. So I totally see from how, the How would you care for the baby at home? So how you'd care, because really the only way to care for a baby with jaundice would be um, to get it lots of sunlight and breastfeed it a ton. Um, that's how it is. So so the parents probably were living in an area with good sunlight, and ho I would hope, and they were they wanted to take care of it at home. And what, so what happened is that CPS came in and took away the baby, mm. uh, or the government took came away and took away the baby. And now, so when I'm thinking about it, I'm thinking like, from someone who personally kind of has been through this, but I decided to go to the hospital and everything. It's like scary because it's like, do you want the government to have the right to take away your child because you decided that this was the best medical decision for your child, like, or not? And it's like, it's such a case to case basis. Mm -hmm. And cause John just could kill a baby. It literally could kill a baby. And so at first when I saw that that was going on a couple of weeks ago, Spike Cohen was posting about it and um, the what's, this mom that I follow, um, she was posting about it. Um, uh, One Mom's Battle is, is her handle. And she like it was, at first when I read it, I was like, that's crazy. Oh, thank goodness the government came and they took away the baby and got the baby the health care needed. And then I thought about it and I was like. I was in the hospital with my baby and I could have probably done all of that at home. And I was just, it was bad for me and bad for the baby and scary for both of us. And maybe the parents had the right idea. And maybe I just, it was something that I just thought immediately was bad for the baby mm -hmm. because like, like that's like the natural way to go and everything. But then if you like think about it a little bit, you think about it more, maybe what they wanted was better for their baby. Mm -hmm. So it's really scary because it is a life. Um, and, there it could be either way is good for the baby and there's such the the line is so fine yeah and who gets to decide that line and right. then the problem is once you start giving the government the decision on that line they just take more and more because more power and control for them is better for them so when you give them like the rights to make those decisions where does the line stop and are can you can we then stop it is also right. the question yeah so it's, it's a hard question what what do you think the government's role should be in protecting animals uh full-on government protecting animals uh i yeah i mean i think there uh i think i think there should be i think most of this stuff could be privatized so even an animal protection agency could be something that is uh privatized or decided town by town um, of how they want to do it. And locally you could decide how you want to do it and everything like that. Um, but right now the government's not protecting the animals, right? Cause you got all these animal holocausts happening in farms across the country. So they don't really, they, they're not there for, to protect the animals. I mean, it'd be, I personally, I was vegan for 23 years. I think it'd be awesome if someone came in and protected these animals that are literally like, I can't even fathom how people could eat 
just regular eggs and eat chickens and eat any of this stuff um, with what's going on out there. And right now, nobody is stepping in. I mean, people are stepping in. PETA, right? You got PETA. I don't know what PETA, how much PETA does. I don't know if it does that much. But there oh, are yeah. local organizations that help. And I don't think the government is helping. So I think keep it with local organizations that can figure it out. But but local organizations, if they're not giving given the power by the government to act, right? Because right now the government has the monopoly on violence. So unless the government is actually allowing private organizations to act in the protection of animals, what can the organizations do other than you know spreading awareness and and um, you know or you know being terrorists like PETA like? <laughs> yeah, I hear you. Yeah. So I mean, I hear you and. So what I would say on that is like things like the USDA and um, big government organizations like that are enabling the things that mm-hmm. are happening, yeah. the terrors that are happening to these animals. And I think that if we get rid of those organizations and um, maybe we like instead of getting like uh, FDA approval for things, we've got local, like like an OU approval mm-hmm. where someone that you trust is going and giving their stamp of approval is the way to go. I don't think we need the government to do that for us. And I think it works a lot better when um, when we have, and we, have, we already have that going on. They're certified humane and that's not a mm-hmm. government organization. And then people go and they spend their dollars and they give their dollars to places like that that make sense for them. And yeah, I don't think the government needs a hand in it. I mean, I, I think that the government, if the government, if the go- we give the government the hand to take care of them, because obviously I'm like, I love animals and I'm like, oh, take care of the animals. But they wouldn't take care of the animals. They would take care of the people that are giving money to their campaign mm-hmm, so that they can mm-hmm. keep these big factory farms and everything. So yeah. I don't think the government's the right place to. And they'll control. shut down the people doing it right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, exactly. What do you think the government's role should be in protecting the environment? So um, the same thing with most things um, would be that I think that we have to hold companies responsible for what they do to the environment. I think that if the company is um, doing uh, is like polluting the environment, it should be the company's job to clean up that pollution and um, and and that would be a stance where um, their freedom is impeding on my freedom. So their freedom to pollute the world is now impeding on my freedom to drink clean water so that would be a place where the the government would be um in a libertarian system uh expected to step in and say clean up your mess i don't think the government would have to clean it up i think the private company would be required to clean it up and again this would also be with voting with dollars Mm-hmm. And the company would hopefully people would see what's going on, and the company they wouldn't give money to that company because the company is polluting the environment. But I think the system that we have now is definitely causing more harm for for our environment because the government is stepping in, taking a lot of um, precautions, and 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 taking like everything's on them basically, for, at least allow a lot of people see it. Yeah, and I, I like what you're saying about in all these answers about voting with your dollars but i think the problem sometimes is that the companies that are acting unethically are making products that are a lot cheaper and so you know we all have you know cell phones that are rely on you know child slave labor um in, in other countries and we all uh benefit from uh, you know, slavery that's going on across the globe and, and all these unethical practices and crazy amounts of pollution and, and destruction to the environment. And so, 
you know, some people who are in a position to actually pay for, um, you know, or organic or, or humane sources of food. And I don't think there are any ethically made phones right now, at least smartphones. But I, I guess, you know, theoretically, if there was a phone that cost another thousand dollars, there would be some people who'd be able to afford it. Um, but most people can't afford it. And so there's some kind of weird reality in that we've just come to accept these things as normal, even though they're horrific. So although I agree that voting with dollars is, is good in terms of capitalism and supporting companies that you like, if those companies are engaged in unethical practices and no one's keeping them to account, how do we actually get past that? Well, so the thing is the way that a lot of those, like the farmers, let's say, the, the mass producing farmers are able to keep money, like the cost so low is through government incentives and mm-hmm, money actually mm-hmm. given to them that other farmers are not, that organic farmers are not getting. So if we're taking the government out of there, it, it would take a little bit, but it would even itself out mm-hmm. where um, it's just, this is naturally how much it costs. I mean, the government is funding a lot of this um, mm-hmm. to keep those prices low. I mean, and another thing is there's incentives to like at this point to keep it as low as possible because you've got everything, um, everyone going to other countries to work and the tax, like once you take, get rid of most government, you're getting rid of most tax dollar, like dollars. And then things will start getting made more in the U S or whatever. I'm like, I just don't think it's, um, I think that the government is part of the problem mm-hmm. that it's creating mm-hmm. for us to then solve it. But once we take the government out of that system, we take the government out of, um, like literally getting rid of these huge, um, What's it called? Incentive programs? Yeah, these huge programs that once we stop these programs, things like will be able to come and uh, level out in terms of prices. Um, also, I mean, I think a lot of libertarians are not so into all the foreign um, aid and the foreign stuff that we do, and they want to keep stuff home and um, and one of the ways to build up our country is to really start keeping businesses a business here. And the reason that business is abroad and able to do things in a lot of ways that we would never allow here is because they get better tax incentives there than they do here. So if we are abolishing taxi, taxes because taxation is theft, um, we would find ways to start making products here and make it at more reasonable levels. I mean, also another thing I think a lot of people don't think about is everything you're consuming is just, it's the, we have one world and just like this specific amount of resources. Um, So if people stop consuming as much and start actually looking at it, I think the fact that things are so cheap is so dangerous for our Hmm. world. Like it's, it's horrible. Like also like one of the, libertarians one of my first got into libertarian party i met someone who's like he's like i get he said to me he's like i get that like keeping your light on is really cheap and it doesn't cost a lot of money but do you think about how much like 
we don't actually have that much resources in our world. And so you keeping that light on, even though it doesn't cost so much money, it's costing like resources that you can't like rejuvenate, that you can't get back. And that's, that just alone is worth like shutting the light off. And I think there's so many things that we do. And because the government keeps it cheap and at this price, we just like, oh, it's a, a couple pennies. Like who cares if I do it? But we should care because these resources we're never gonna get back. And we have to look at it in a huger sense and not just in, oh, it's cheap. It's like buy the shirt because it's cheap because there's only so much that we have. Yeah, very wasteful uh, way that we live, for sure. Yeah. Who do you want to see for Libertarian presidential nomination in 2024? Oh, my God. Um, well, I'm, like, a huge Spike Cohen yeah. fan, so... I would like totally like vote for uh, Spike. I don't know if he's planning on running. Um, I don't. Uh, a lot of people think uh, what's his name, uh, Dave, Dave Smith. Yeah, is gonna run, right? He's been hinting at it, but I I don't know how much he he is going to or not. But um, I think they have a lot of good options. Yeah. Between Spike, Dave, if if Rand Paul wants to do it, uh, you know, there's there's a lot of good options. Just don't just don't go with a Jorgensen type of person again. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I wasn't. I mean, I did vote for Joe Jorgensen, but so I, did I. I wasn't around from. <laughs> but yeah. Ariel, we're getting to the end of our time. I want to thank you again for joining me. Before you leave, what is one thing? If you had to choose only one thing that you want me and all our listeners to know about the New Jersey Libertarian Party. Uh, one thing to know is just that we're here and we're here for like the local people and we just want to make local change and do good for ourselves and our families and you and your families. Um, so definitely look us up and it, I don't even care. Like, honestly, if people come and get into politics or anything, but I think everybody needs to start going to town councils and going to school boards and holding your local government accountable like i stop looking at the news and the media and all the stuff that's happening in our world like start looking local and what's happening in your town it's because you are big enough and one person is strong enough to fix what's going on locally in your town so you should keep an eye on it great now i know 